I hope you're having a lovely day. You're listening to TechFest, Talks, a podcast by students for students. We are Emily and Abby, and we are both from Fraserburgh Academy. My interests are dancing and going out with friends. And I'm Emily, and my interests are I feel like surfing and spending time with family. And we are excited to talk to the CEO of AREG, David Roger. How are you today? Good morning, everyone. I'm very well, and thanks very much for having me. We've got a couple of questions here that we'd like to ask you. So we're going to start on our first question. Um, what age and qualifications did you leave school with? Well, I, I left school at 16. Um, I was a, a kid who grew up with the home computer generation and I wanted to get as quickly as I could into computing. So I left school at 16 with seven O grades and I started at what was the old commercial college in Aberdeen doing computer data processing. Carrying on for that question, how did you get from where you started to where you are today? I've been working for something like 35 years and going into my 36th year of, of the working world. And when you look back, you realise that the things that make a difference are the, the people around you, the advice and the experience that people share with you. And so I would say the key thing about making uh, moves and making progress in life is about listening to people. It's about listening to their experiences and learning from, from other people. I definitely you can relate to that in like normal situations as well, like for your we and stuff, it does help you in normal situations. No, absolutely, absolutely. Really important to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What advice would you give to yourself starting out again? Oh, goodness. I'd, I'd give myself lots of advice back in the, my early days, uh, including some of the, the, the fashion and the clothes that I sometimes see myself in. <laughs> but uh, do you know what? I think if I look back to my 16-year-old self, I'd probably try and tell them to have more confidence and more belief. Just also to challenge assumptions. I think in life, it's sometimes good to challenge assumptions that, that you might think other people have about you. I know that sounds a bit... Uh, uh, strange but yeah it's it's about getting that level of confidence and sometimes you have to really challenge yourself about about what you think of yourself and what other people think of you I definitely, definitely. go with you want to do you who do you look up for for inspiration or mentorship good question um I've been really lucky I've worked with some great people over the years some who were mentors to, to me um, and uh, if anybody ever gets the chance in life to, to have somebody who's willing to be a mentor, it, it, it's a great thing to have. It goes back to that thing about sharing experience and uh, gaining confidence to, to, to go forward and to look at new opportunities. So, uh, yeah, um, who do I look up for inspiration? Not really anyone in particular. Just been really fortunate to have had some great people around me because of some of the great projects and things that we've been involved with over the years. So... Carrying on for that mentorship question, would there be one of you, like for your younger self, that you would say that you look up to to start off with? Uh, for my younger self, when I was younger, oh, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, I, I mean, I mentioned the computer generation earlier on, and I guess Bill Gates and Microsoft was, was quite an influential character. Uh, mostly because we all are kind of in some way using Microsoft products nowadays, uh, whether it's software or some of the computer equipment. Um, but I, I was quite impressed with Bill Gates as a as a as a businessman, and you know Microsoft, um, you know w- went from very humble origins. And I like these stories of people that make success in business and, and industry from uh, relatively humble origins. And he is a huge 
philanthropist now giving you know lots of support to uh, needy parts of the world. So I, I think Microsoft's a really good model in terms of Bill Gates. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. What is your proudest moment in your career so far? Oh goodness, uh, that is a really good question. Too. Really good. So I'm going to offer two. I've got two proud moments. Um, one was being on a boat out in Aberdeen Bay in 2019. This was offshore Europe 2019, and I was able to be out on a boat and look at the offshore wind farm that I had worked on for quite a number of years of my life in in different roles. And we were on a boat with mayors from uh, various uh, world cities that were in Aberdeen for that event. Um, we got a chance to look at the wind farm and also just look at the, the beautiful city of Aberdeen, stretching all the way back to, to the Shire and the hills that you can see when you're out at, at sea. You get a lovely view just a little bit out of Aberdeen Bay. And so a really proud moment just to see the recognition that that project receive but the second most proud moment for me again is actually 2019 i was involved with uh, uh, eco marathon uh, students this was the sort of shell eco marathon competition i was a mentor for about four years for strathclyde and aberdeen university in building hydrogen and electric prototype motor cars and i have got a picture of both those teams on a track in near london it's called the brooklands track and the old historical racing track, and both the university's cars were on the track, photographed with both of the teams, who actually got on together. They actually worked together and supported each other. So it's a lovely photograph for me because of the the work to develop their uh, their teams. That's very interesting. So is it hard being a CEO of such a big company like AREG? Good question again. So uh, is it hard? So I really enjoy the work that I do. I really love the the world of renewable energy and the companies, the people, uh, the projects. It's, it's a really exciting place. So uh, in, in a way, I really enjoy it, which means, you know, it's more about meeting expectations for me. It is quite hard to meet the expectations of 230 plus member companies and organizations, all with a all with an interest in renewables. And uh, I've been trying to visit many of my member companies in recent uh, weeks and months. And uh, it, it just, there's only one of me. So so that's the hard bit of being a CEO. There's only one of you. So following on that question, what is like a normal day at work for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, certainly after uh, uh, the whole sort of lockdown piece, you know, which really challenged what a normal day at work uh, looked like. So uh, certainly over the last couple of years, I've done a lot of working from home. I still continue to to, to work from home in this new role. So um, I, I have a balance of being in front of a computer at home, but then luckily being out and about with companies and people. Uh, I was in Peterhead yesterday visiting uh, one of the big uh, companies there, SCORE Group, and uh, that was great. Uh, and I was at a few other uh, places in Peterhead yesterday. So it's a combination of uh, keeping up to date with messages and things and being out there, hearing about companies and supporting companies in this uh, big world of renewable energy. Yeah. yeah. Do you meet a lot of people due to your work? The easy answer is yes. Um, in my career, I've been very lucky to meet a lot of people. I've, I've worked with a lot of people. I've met some fairly well-known people. I've met, uh, when he was the Prime Minister, I met David Cameron. 
so, and, and in my earlier career, I used to write speeches for ministers and senior officials. So I used to meet quite a lot of uh, senior uh, government officials and ministers and things. Um, of course, you sometimes bump into one or two uh, folks that are just well-known as celebrities and things as well. So I met Eddie Reader one year, which was a great thrill because I'm a great fan of Eddie Reader's music. So, you know, you meet, you meet lots of different people. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's amazing. You've worked in the energy sector twice. What was the change in the sector over the 10 years and how difficult was it when you came back? I joined uh, Shell in 2012 and in 2012 uh, the world of offshore wind farms was, was very dominated by what's known as fixed structures. So when I came back to Arig just there at the end of uh, 2021, the, the world has changed in terms of the view of offshore wind farms and, and the, the concept of a floating offshore wind farm is is, is really gathered pace and floating offshore wind farms are going to be the, if you like, the majority uh, technology that will be deployed on, on, on those areas. So, so, so that some of that has changed in terms of technology and, and that relates a lot to the opportunity for North East Scotland because... Uh, for example, we'll be uh, floating wind farms uh, off of Peterhead and Aberdeen uh, coast at some point. So you know that's quite exciting. Uh, but more generally, what's changed in 10 years, I think that the focus on climate change has changed in that time. Um, sure, you all saw the attention uh, given at uh, COP26 just in November last year. And that's a statement of a planet trying to do something about climate change, which is a, a, you know, it's a clear and present danger uh, in terms of the weather systems and, and, and everything else. The impacts uh, of climate change are, are growing and growing and they're becoming more frequent. You know, we're now even seeing uh, symptoms of climate change with the storm systems in Scotland. And I, I, I think that that urgency is, is becoming more widespread and people are far more aware so we need to put those sort of renewable energy projects uh, across lots of different technologies. We need to deploy them much more quickly uh, because of climate change. Climate change is really affecting everything we are hanging on in the world. So it is quite important. It's difficult. And if I reflect on that, 15 years ago when I spoke to climate scientists, they said, yeah, even 15 years ago, they were a bit sort of... Uh, on different sides of the argument in terms of wh- whether this was coming and how it was coming. But if you ask anyone today, uh, I think the scientific community is uh, almost almost 100% that you know we need to act on climate change. And that's what's driving uh, now an annual uh, COP event. So it used to be a, a gap of a period of years, but now it's annual. So the world is, is sitting down every year now to track the progress on climate change activities and uh, you know, the mitigation actions that have been taken to try and reduce emissions and take carbon out of the atmosphere. It's crazy how much it's all changed. Well, hearing you say that, it's really crazy to think that. Right. I mean, well, somebody that's been quite high up, it's quite amazing to hear that. So what has been your, your favourite experience in the renewable energy sector? Yeah, it, I mean, it's a similar question to, to, to the earlier one. The, the favourite experience, I suppose... Uh, one of the things when you work in renewables is it, it's about teamwork and, you know, working on Aberdeen Bay, there were many, many people involved with the wind farm uh, project in Aberdeen, all sorts of 
disciplines and uh, you know whether it was engineers or environmental scientists we had to pay quite close attention to all the things surrounding nature uh, for, for Aberdeen Bay whether it be marine mammals or, or fishing uh, and just you know you can't do a big project nowadays without sort of understanding any kind of impacts and understanding what any sort of mitigations might be around uh, developing an offshore wind farm so it was really interesting times working with these people um, we did things like bird radar out in Aberdeen Bay we did archaeological studies which you know were looking for any kind of potential uh, signs of life in the bay because Aberdeen Bay wasn't always uh, covered in water it was it was the land a period of thousands of years ago so uh, you, you had to just be aware that there might be things out there in the water and uh, of course the unexploded ordnance as well from World War II we, we had to give a particular attention to that in Aberdeen Bay. So no, working with that team was, was a highlight because it was just so interesting. And I had the, 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 the privilege of being the public spokesperson on the Aberdeen Bay project for a few years. So I did a lot of media work at the time as well. Uh, and that was enjoyable, kind of getting the message across about the benefits of the project. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Um, but we're a different kind of question. A funny question. A question. <laughs> uh, do you drive an electric, petrol or diesel car? So I, the moment I don't, I have got a little, what I would describe as a smart car. I've got a, a, a tiny, tiny little Toyota smart car that is a very high performing car. Uh, but I, I, I will get an electric car at some point. At the moment, I have an electric bike and I use my electric bike in the village that I live in, in Aberdeenshire. And I'm a, probably a regular sight dotting about on my bike, a uh, little red electric bike. Uh, and uh, I, I think I've done something like 1,400 kilometres on the bike since I got it. Whoa, that's a lot. Uh, is, uh, is not taking uh, my wee car down to the village. So uh, that, that's my sort of initial approach. But yeah, I think electric cars and even hydrogen cars are going to become more common in the next sort of five to ten years uh, it, it, it won't be a question of if in the future it'll be a question of which type of alternative powered vehicle you have and um, so would you advise everyone to start getting electric cars you know it's it's definitely a sort of personal decision and and, and you know there will be a transition as well so unleaded cars are still going to be on the the, the roads for a period of, of time you know they're not just going to disappear overnight and 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 Everybody will have to make a personal decision in terms of what's right for them. Um, you know, it, it might well be for some people they decide to immediately go for electric vehicle. Um, but I think at the moment, you know, what you want to see is the sort of costs sort of coming down for, for electric cars. At the moment, they are, I think, relatively uh, highly priced. But once they become more common, um, I think the, the price structures will change. And I think you'll also see mechanisms you know that you can a wee bit like you can do at the moment you can do sort of higher purchase of cars and things like that spread it out across the year and stuff so uh, it's definitely coming i've driven an electric car i've driven a hydrogen powered car and it's it's quite exciting when you get to use some of these new new technologies and you start to imagine just how that can become part of every everyday life and how you would plan your journeys you know the journey planning but with an electric car uh, is is interesting at the moment because of the charging structure. Yeah, mm -hmm. the charging part. 
here in Preserve, we've got we see quite a lot of electric cars and Tesco or local Tesco's actually got a, a charging bit oh, for their cars. I think more and more places and areas are, are obviously recognising that they need to have these charging points. And when you think of the North Coast 500 and also there's even a there's an East Coast 200 as well. And I think once we start to see the those networks sort of covered by charging stations, it'll be it'll be quite good and it'll allow people to, to see this beautiful part of the world in electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that is a big thing as well to put people off is there's now a lot of charging points and kind of travel as far as a normal like petrol or diesel car would go because obviously you need to stop and charge it. So I think that is a path. But I think if we start putting mere charging points, I think it'll sway mere people's minds to get definitely. electric cars. No, I, no, I, I agree. I, I go back to my point about energy transition. You know, that we're going to enter a period of the world not just for uh, motor vehicles and for uh, things like trains and for freight you know you will see changes in the way some of these things are are powered um, but uh, it's just that balance of where we get our energy from where we get our electricity from how we heat our homes or schools or offices you know, there's all sorts of questions for the future about uh, how that's going to be powered um, but if I can just leave you just with a a, a, a fact which I think is really powerful, and it is going back to the Aberdeen Bay offshore wind farm. But a, a single sweep of the blades at Aberdeen Bay uh, on a, on a good wind day, that's generating enough electricity for a home for a whole day. And benefits of renewables are sometimes argued, but when you put it in those simple terms, um, it's quite powerful. Uh, and uh, you know, it's about getting the infrastructure across Scotland. In actual fact, that we benefit from this new electricity generation from Scottish offshore wind farms. And, uh, you know, these will be part of how we power the future. They won't necessarily be the whole part, but they'll be an important part. And there's some really great careers uh, going to be there for your generation, uh, not just offshore wind, but hydrogen technology opportunities, and then just that wider societal piece of just how we, we run everyday life and if you think of the choices you have to make from the point you get up in the morning to uh, go to bed at night, you know you can all influence some of the, the the choices and decisions there in terms of energy and waste and you know just uh, energy efficiency. So you know it, it, it's coming that we'll all have to pay much closer attention to all this stuff. Yeah, definitely. So, what do you think will be the best energy source in the future? Like biofuel, solar, wind or water, etc. It's a really good question. It's asking me to, in, in some way, look into crystal ball. And I think if I look into that crystal ball, I would say it will be an energy mix. It'll be, it'll be hard to properly define what, what the dominant force will be. And, and that's partly because we're going through an energy transition as well. So we're still very reliant on oil and gas uh, going forward, you know, you need to have one form of energy to transition to another. So it's important we still see support for oil and gas. And, you know, northeast of Scotland, we all know people or family that are involved with that industry. So there's a lot of work going on to make sure that the skills from that industry get transferred into some of these new uh, industries that I have mentioned, and that there's still sort of investment for some of these new projects as well, because the big energy companies like uh, BP and Shell 
they, they are all uh, looking at investing in, in offshore wind now as well. So, so it's, really, it's really exciting. And uh, you know, northeast of Scotland's got a lot of credentials that mean that they'll be very involved with this future energy mix and some of the projects. And uh, hopefully, as I said before, some really good careers. Uh, you know, w w wind power is, is, is a fantastic resource. It, it will be up there uh, with, with, you know, the sort of, if you like, leading technologies. We've got a really good wind resource in Scotland. Uh, so that use of natural energy, it, that will drive some of the future opportunities and it will drive where some of these future wind farms will be. Um, but, you know, it's going to be a mix. It's going to be wind, it's going to be hydrogen, it's going to be wave and tidal, it's going to be solar. And alongside, you know, we still need uh, oil and gas to, to help with the transition. So when you were younger, did, did you know of a job you wanted to do? Did you think you were going to be where you were today? or? Uh, I, I didn't necessarily have the energy industry in my, my mind as a, a youngster. Certainly as a teenager, I thought computing would be uh, the thing for me. But uh, the funny thing is, my late grandfather worked in the hydropower industry, and he used to speak to me a lot about uh, developing the hydro schemes in the Highlands of Scotland and just the, the, the challenges and just how the technologies work. And so hydro is actually an important part of Scotland's renewable energy story because even maybe five, maybe 10 years ago, you were at something like 12 or 11% of electricity was still from the sort of hydro schemes and they still produce to this day the percentage percentages of of what they produce has gone down because of the increased amount of onshore and offshore wind electricity production but you know it was a huge uh, step forward for Scotland and the engineering that the hydro schemes uh, did uh, yeah quite sort of inspirational stuff actually in terms of what they did for the economies of the highlands etc and the technology that that actually delivered so I guess uh, to answer your question, you, you know, it is that thing about sometimes you hear and you listen to people and it's not till later in life that you actually fully understand just some of the things that were being achieved and the scale of engineering achievements. So um, I've, I've been fortunate to uh, be involved with energy uh, for you know, well over 20 years and uh, initially through oil and gas, but you know, my, my career has had to adapt to the fact that uh, new energies are, are, are going to be this big part of the future and uh, you know it's uh, something I encourage everybody to think about and not to view it just as oil and gas but to view it as a sort of career in the energy industry there are lots of opportunities there for people to explore yeah yeah because that's the thing as well because I wasn't going to th think of taking like this course girls in energy but my brother and my dad work in the oil and gas industry and I think because as you said, your grandfather telling you about things as well, I think it is definitely the people you've got around you to definitely. tell you and influence you to step out the box and try something new and you never can for your end up. That was like me. My, uh, I'm quite lucky to have a cousin that she's a girl and she actually works offshore um, as a manager. And she was just telling me that I should go for it and try different things out because when I came... Like, you don't know until you try it. Exactly. Yeah, and you know that there are lots of, uh, you mentioned the Shell Girls in Energy, but, you know, there's, there's lots of initiatives now across uh, industry. Um, 
look at the uh, things like the Shibabopito website, you'll see lots of useful information there. There's lots on the subject of skills for the energy industry right now and different sort of schemes and incentives that people can get involved with. And, you know, you can explore some of that through your, your colleges and schools, etc. But, you know, there is a lot of information there uh, online. And, and at the end of the day, it's about just taking that sort of ownership yourself of wh where you would like to go. And, and uh, there are people out there that, you know, uh, like myself and the sort of STEM ambassador program that are very willing to, to speak about careers in the energy industry and to, to help folks navigate that path. Because it isn't easy, you know, it is, it, is a bit, it is a bit daunting to start with. I remember that feeling of, uh, you know, just exactly how do you take the sort of initial steps and in all of this. And again, you know, just speak to people and, uh, you know, be, be confident and, and just go for it. So do you see much uh, girls in your workplace and like as a job that you do or you have done in the past, have you seen much girls or do you think now there would be more girls joining? So there's definitely been, been changes in recent years. I, I was fortunate enough to work uh, with Shell and, the, and support some of the Girls in Energy initiative for, for that and that's been really helpful. Um, I think some of the uh, ladies who are now working at St Fergus near Peter Head, you know, have come through that uh, scheme. And they benefited from that. You know, the, the, the energy industry just needs to keep promoting diversity, inclusion, gender balance. You know, these are all extremely important things if we're to have any chance of succeeding in the energy transition. And I, I've definitely seen changes in my own working life in terms of greater opportunities uh, for, for everyone, really. Uh, and uh, that can only be for, for, for the the benefit of you know the sort of ultimate objectives of providing energy for society and you know again back to that sort of trying to achieve actions that will benefit the the, the sort of climate change uh, mitigation side of things you know it it all is a series of actions activities jobs opportunities and it all, it all meets in the middle somewhere uh, and it, it's just so much better if it's uh, you know diverse teams that you get to work with as you go through that journey. I'm sure for a lot of girls, well, I'm not sure about Abby, but I came mm -hmm. definitely me that it was a big kind of thing. Fun. Well, my cousin Darcy that works in the works in offshore, she was like, you should just try it out. Like, there's no harm in trying it. But I definitely thought about like it was more male don dominant before I came to girls and energy. Mm -hmm. It was definitely a big part of thinking that it would just be boys and there wouldn't be much girls. Yeah. I think that's really good why we've got a course for yeah. girls in energy because it definitely opened, well, it's definitely opened up so much doors for me. Uh, I was, I think, I think course. everyone's kind of had a good experience. experience and is thinking about it, definitely. No, that's really good to hear. Mm -hmm. Aye. And to finish off, our last question for you, David, <laughs> is where do you see the world in 50 years? Yeah, that's a really good question. Really good question. Where do I see the world? So I, I think there's a degree of let's try and be optimistic about what we can do here as a, as a planet, about where everybody plays a part. Um, everybody does have a, a life journey and a career journey. And if you can be part of that sort of, response to develop new energies and uh, help to make a more sustainable uh, world you know although we're talking about things in the northeast of scotland the, the stuff that we do in the northeast of scotland has a great bearing in other parts of the world 
And so, you, you know, you can have some really exciting careers by being part of that. 50 years, goodness, I, I think that everything will look a bit different. Uh, there'll be some things that will remain the same, but I think the way we travel will be different, uh, how we travel. I think that um, the technologies that will go into new build houses and buildings, I think will have advanced. Um, I think there'll be lessons learned as we go forward in the next sort of period of decades about how to be energy efficient. You know, we have to learn from how we do things and learn from mistakes sometimes as well. Um, but, you know, I, I hope that we, we reach a world in 50 years that is, uh, is healthy, sustainable, uh, and that people get the same sort of advantages and, and choices that broadly we get, certainly here in the, in the UK, as far as careers and travel and just that whole life balance thing. Because, you know, work, work is not everything. You, 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 you actually work to live, in my experience. And so it's about all the experiences you have as individuals uh, and, uh, you know, navigating your own path, whichever, whatever your, your life choices are, you know, just that you're able to, to do that. But I think, I think it will be interesting if I can make another 50 years just to see just how much it's, it's changed. It will be an exciting place. It will be, you know, like today, there will be challenges. But I think if we've got enough of the, the technologies established to, to make it a more sustainable world, then it will be for the benefit of everyone. Well, David, thank you very much for your great interview. It was really interesting. I'm sure me and Abby's got to go tell all the other girls uh-huh. lots about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and thank you for your time. And for everyone that's watching, if you go on to TechFest, I'm sure you'll find much more episodes from TechFest to listen to. to, listen to. Uh, bye for now. Brilliant. Thanks very much, folks. All the best. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.